What we do here is go back, 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 back. It does no service to creating value for people where I came from if I won't say where I came from. And so nobody thought any thought this movie was going to work, and it did. One of my greatest struggles as a journalist is that I'm an emotional person and I'm a sensitive person. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. 10,000 No's is built on the premise that hearing stories of struggle from people who most of us would consider to be successful is a way for the rest of us to realize that we're not alone. If you've already subscribed on iTunes and you like what you hear, please share it with others. You can take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening, post it on your social media, tag at Maddie Dell on Instagram or at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook, email it to friends, or just let people know it exists and how you found it. If you can leave an iTunes review, even better. That really helps. Either way, I appreciate you listening, and I hope you're as inspired by my guests as I am. I can pitch anything to anyone if I believe in it, right? Hey, so welcome to episode 19 with Luca Hosevar. I got a chance to sit down with the owner and founder of Vigor Fitness, Vigor Ground Fitness in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Really had an amazing conversation. I hope you enjoy it. He's got an incredible story from his roots in Slovenia, Slovenia to London to playing basketball, playing pro in Europe, um, being involved in crime. It goes all over the gamut, and he really comes out with some unbelievably inspiring and educational thoughts on life. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I am here with Luca Hosevar of Vigor Fitness and of a lot of other things as well, but uh, that's the main one. Uh, thanks for having for Well, Man. thank you for being here. Thank you for getting my second name. Very on point, my friend. <laughs> I love it. Is that good? That's my pleasure. Oh, yeah, that, that's does, good. Does yeah. it get butchered all the time? It, it, you know what? That's the, that's the uh, U.S. version of it. Or should I say the English-speaking version of it? Um, that the actual way you say it's hochiva. It's like a C with a hat on top. Hochiva. Yeah, there you go with the right. C. So it's like a CH. And uh, when I when I was younger, when I lived in London, man, like none of the professors could say it. So they would say Hosevar, and I was like, yeah, that's just so yeah, that's, 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 that's what it is. Yeah, that's how I was and introduced it, to you. Yeah, no, it, it is. And here, like that's that's how I even tell people it's Luca Hosevar. So yeah, you're on point there. Cool. All right, cool. <laughs> that's good. That's a good start. I I have butchered other people's names, so. Uh, that's a good start. Uh, so we are here at our mutual friend's studio, uh, Jay Ferrugia, who I've mentioned a couple of times. He's got a podcast called Renegade Radio. So we are actually in his studio today. And uh, he is the mutual friend that has brought me to you and to a bunch of other guys that are all really, you guys are, are really impressive and um, a very positive can-do group. Well, thank you. Um, every one of you is more jacked than me <laughs> by far. And uh, every one of you is uh, super successful and unique in your in your field. And you want to talk a little, we can get into uh, where you are with your gym is in Seattle. Uh, it's called uh, Vigor Fitness. And um, t- tell us a little bit about it because it's not just a gym. No, it's, uh, you know, it- I'll, I'll give a little shorter version of kind of how I got to there. But, uh, you know, my background was initially sport. It was basketball. And that uh, 
I mean, it really was for, for a big portion of my life. It was my life. It even, uh, you know, I was, I was also involved with some, uh, I would say things that I'm not as proud of looking back. You know, I was a knucklehead and was in crime and stuff like that. But basketball and fitness really took me away from that. And, um, for the, you know, from the, for the longest time, if you asked me what I wanted to do, it was like, oh, I want to play in the NBA. That's the only thing I want to do. Yeah. You know, people, what else? That's the only thing I want to do. Um, but the path, that's, that path led me to the U.S., to college, uh, where I played basketball for four years. Um, and then ended up. What school? Uh, I went to up two, st- uh, two years. I was upstate New York in Binghamton, a school called Broom, uh, Broom Community College. And from there, I went to Southern Virginia to a school called Virginia Intermont. So I got a full ride there. And then uh, from there, I went to play overseas and played pro. Um, and I played in Ukraine, played in Slovenia for a number of teams, uh, playing in the NBA Summer Pro League. And I'm going to go ahead and say 2004. <laughs> I'm guessing a little bit because it's been a while. But, um, you know, that, that was my life. But in the background of all this, so in the background of all this, you know, fitness was a huge component of, of it. Um, uh, kind of like a, a little story is that like when I was 14, um, my mom opened a gym. It was like her second job, right? She opened it with her friend. And uh, I was somewhat of a, like, I was really hard worker, but, you know, kind of a scrawny kid. Um, you know, I'm, I'm six foot with my sneakers on. Nobody, nobody looking at me. It's hard like, to believe you were scrawny, but I, that's I, Man, I got some pictures to blow you away. Um, and, you know, but personal wouldn't tell, you go like, oh, yeah, that guy's a basketball player, right? I mean, yeah. um, and the weight room actually really helped me out because, I, you know, but I was, I was really hardworking. I had some uh, mentors that I kind of ran into inside of the gym. My mom's that helped me showed me like strength training, you know, squatting and deadlifting and stuff like that. And I started doing that. And then I could see it carry over to the court. You know, all of a sudden I was like jumping higher. I could muscle people, you know, I started seeing, putting on some weight and kind of, that was like, I started falling in love with that because I was like, oh man, if I go to the gym now, like these people that talk shit, I can like muscle them around and like, right. you know, and so, so that kind of, you know, now when I look back, that's where a lot of stuff started. Um, and I got hooked on it and I was always, Strength training. Now, in the basketball world, strength training was not a big thing back then. You know, people still thought, and still to this day, some people are like, oh, man, if I lift weights, it'll mess up my shot. You know, yeah. crazy stuff like that. And um, so I, I was a bit of an outlier there, but doing really well with it. And, you know, I would go anywhere and do anything that I could to get better at performance. So when I was, uh, what, probably probably like 16-ish, um, 16, 17, I remember my, my basketball coach knew this track coach, his name's Sergeant Georgievich. I'm not even going to ask you to try to pronounce that nope, shit. Nope, <laughs> uh, but, but he was, you know, but he was like really high level track coach, still is, trained Marilyn Adi, you know, Olympic gold medalist. I mean, I don't know how many times, um, it's uh, this lady in Slovenia, uh, Brikita Bukovic. So she was a silver medalist in the 92 Olympics in Barcelona, 110 meter hurdles. So I have like the highest level athletes, you know, and, and it was like, hey, you know, if, uh, I got this kid, you know, he, he just wants to get better. And he's like, all right, if he, can, if he comes early in the morning, like whatever, you know, I, I'll train him. If he comes before school, he can jump in. And I, don't, I don't think he thought that I'd come. Like here yeah. I was showing up three days a week, you know, training with the top athletes on the planet. Um, so it was, And you were 16. Uh, yeah, I was like 16, 17 wow. years old. I mean, I was like, man, I, I was obsessed, you know. And, and, and definitely I think a big drive of that was because of that constant, rejo- you know, when I was, I was shorter, I wouldn't get picked for games, you know, like. I'd always be like, ah, he's not good. You know, that pissed me off. You know, that pissed me off to, it wasn't this passion, right? Like uh, we can talk a little bit about the passion hypotheses, but like uh, it wasn't passion that drove me into it. It was more the, uh, like a fuel to prove myself. Um, and uh, so, so I, I started doing track and field stuff, man. I was reading books about training performance left and right, 
but it was never with this intent of being a coach at that point in time, right? Right. But when I, you know, now that I look back, it was like sneakily one of those things that, you know, ended up, ended up uh, making me fall in love with training. Um, so when I went to college, uh, I got, a, you know, I was like, ah, you got to know business. So I did the business degree, but I also did exercise science and kinesiology minor because I wanted to know all about the body anatomy and I took a lot of the classes and stuff. And I was, you know, I was studying everything I could get my hands on. So during the time where I was pro, um, you know, pro basketball isn't, or pro sport in general, just isn't all that you think that it cracks up to be. It's not people aren't throwing millions at you if, you if you're pro, right? Necessarily. So, so there's some, definitely some tough stints that I, I, I would never take away because they've taught me so much. But um, in that time frame is where I started training people. And it was like some of the funny stories would be like, you know, uh, the team I was on, the coach was like, hey, man, like, what, you know, what are you doing? Like, you're 206 pounds and dunk in and like, who trains you? And I was like, oh, man, I, I write my own programs. Right. So you became like, the de facto strength coach Essentially, on the team that you were actually playing. Yeah, because like everybody started, out, you know, like, dude, like write me a program. Like, yeah. what are you doing for this? You know, what are you doing for that? And, you know, and basically because they were like, well, the proof is in the pudding. Like, look at like, look at you. Right. Um, And so that helped. And then I took over training some athletes. My brother was training back then. Um, and like just really started, you know, it was, I wasn't making money from it or anything like that, but I was just like having a great time and getting people some pretty amazing results. And so that grew and and that was going on for probably about a year and a half. I, I wrote for this magazine, uh, Sawcall, which was, had pretty big distribution through these gyms. Um, and I was writing about stuff that few people were writing about, like, you know, 50 different reasons why you, you could be having back pain and that you're not even paying attention to. And, you know, and people were coming to the gym and going like, oh, man, you're the guy that wrote that article. Like, huh. I, I, man, I got back pain. Like, I want to improve this and that. Can I train with you? And it started becoming a little like, whoa, man, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people kind of wanted to train with me. Yeah, no, is, like, this, is this still overseas? Yeah, this, this, is, this okay. is still in Slovenia. And, um, you know, and I'm like waking up in the morning training for two and a half hours, uh, you know, running my brother's business sometimes when he's out of town. Uh, you know, coming back later on, doing another two and a half hours of training and then training people for three, four hours in between. So I had like these nutty days. Right. Um, but I was definitely falling in love with with coaching. And um, at that what point, what was it about coaching that that sparked you helping people? For, I mean, I, I think that for sure, like being, you know, underlyingly, we all seek something, right? A status or something. I, I think that what happened there was that I really felt good about you know, knowing something that I could use to help people and people going like, man, like you're the man in this. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, cause I'd love to, I'd love to say that at that point in time, it was just like that pure passion and purpose. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's kind of like what made me feel good. Right. I mean, and obviously it made me feel good to also help people because yeah. it does, you know, it, it's fulfilling, uh, you know, and part of my life, like I said, it was like, I was doing dumb shit and, and taking things from people. Right. So this was like, man, I'm giving, I'm giving to people and it's fulfilling me and it's helping them out, you know? Um, so there was this kind of like, I think that for anybody that's ever been involved in, uh, you know, crime or things like that, at least for me, man, I, there was a point in time when I started going like, man, I got to tip the scale, right? Like for a bunch of my life, I was doing this crazy stuff. And it's like, man, when I die, I want to tip the scale to like the, you know, the part where I'm like giving back to people and helping people change their lives in a positive way. Which we'll get into later. I have yep. so many questions for you, but <laughs> I can't wait to get to the stuff you've been doing now in the last, I don't know how many years. And, I'll, and now, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of speed it up. No, to, no, you to, don't have to, to speed it up. I'm just, you're, you're making me think of so many uh, questions cool. that I want to get to, good, I won't baby. let you roll here. Um, and, 
And so, with, you know, with that said, like at one point in time, I just went to my brother and I said, because we were training people outside in this place called Tivoli. Like, we, you know, we were doing kettlebells back in like 2001. Man. I mean, it was just a long time ago. Right. And it was so out there because there was no like performance gyms or, you know, I hate to say the word, but functional training gyms in our country. Like the, the personal training industry was so young there that I didn't even know. I didn't even know somebody that was like, oh, that guy's killing it. Yeah. You know, I want to be like him because he's famous and making money and he's a personal trainer. Right? Like, that didn't exist at but all. Do me a favor. Explain this because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast won't even know what you mean when you say functional gym, like functional performance. and. Meaning like the way CrossFit is where it's actual movements that people will do in their everyday life as opposed to just going and doing. Correct. I mean, you know, I think the the best that people will kind of understand is is like it's not like really machine based, but body weight tools like dumbbells, sandbags, kettlebells, barbells, uh, bands, you know, different things like that. But mostly, you know, uh, functional in a sense of. What, what helps you function? Sure, like you're, you know, you have you have fat loss and there's, uh, you know, building muscle components, but you can also move well and you can, you know, function well. It's like, uh, uh, and but you know, like that that word's been overused, but in a sense now, you know, it's it's so mainstream that even if you go to 24 hour fitness, they have turf and they have like TRXs and a rig and right. Dyna balls and stuff to throw and things like and push right. Like, but you were ahead of the curve on that. I mean, we we did that like you know 12 years ago 12 13 years ago now and and now and remember you got to look at like slovenia was another five six years behind the u.s on on, on that end so it was very you know that was the the crazy part about it. i actually paid a consultant that was like kind of like the number one consultant in the country and i sat down with him i was like i mean i got this idea for a gym like this is what we're doing right now we're training people in the woods and i go to these places and i'm training other teams and He's like, oh, man, I love your passion. He's just like, I had, you know, it's just not going to work. There's just no, in, there's no um, market for it right now, right? Huh. And I, I was just like, the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, I'm like, you know, so I paid him a bunch of money and it was just like, all right, well, I'm doing it anyways, right? So I went to my brother and I was like, dude, we got, I, I have a gut feeling. Like, I have a gut feeling we got to do this. And he was like, I don't know, like, you're going to leave because, you know, I, I was married and, and I kind of knew I was going to go to the U.S. at that point in time. And uh, I had to like, convince them like really really you know and that's one thing when i'm when i'm put my mind on something man like i mean i can i can pitch anything to anyone if i believe in it right and eventually we 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 did that so we got a bunch of kettlebells we got a bunch of barbells and stuff like that i got a 470 square foot room and that was the beginning of you know vigor ground before it was vigor ground and uh it went from 470 square feet to, I think, 2,000 plus to 4,000 plus to 11. So, I mean. And this was in Seattle. And that was in Slovenia. So, Slovenia basically, still, I left okay. probably about six or nine months. Is that the one that still exists? That yeah, that's, yeah, yeah okay. still there. Um, and uh, so, that's been going on, I think, for, like I said, I might be might be off a little bit, but 12 years. And then I came here. Uh, when I say here, I mean to Seattle. And I had to start from scratch. So basically, big box gyms, you know, LA Fitness, Vision Quest, 120 hour weeks, you know. Just, Meaning you were training for them, you were working there, yeah, and they were yeah, taking a huge yeah. cut and all that. Because, because, I mean, because one, nobody knew me here. Um, so I couldn't really, you know, I didn't have like a resume or anything that anybody would really be able to. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you go like, hey, I played pro sports and I did this and I did that. But I, I started like from the ground up, like, the, you know. Uh, I would say minimum wage plus commissions and stuff like that. The first thing and, that makes me think of is, and it relates to you, and I want to go into it, is my grandmother, my, my grandparents are from Italy. And when my grandmother was 14, 
she moved to Astoria, Queens, and they put her into like first grade because she didn't speak the language. And she always said she she really didn't like it in America in the beginning because she was like prospering in Italy. And then she had to come here and be a 14 year old in first grade and then rapidly went through as she learned the language. Mm-hmm. But you told me about your experience. And, and so I want to come back. I want to just pause on vigor and yep. Seattle and come yep. in there and, and go to when you were uh, younger, you were in Slovenia and then you went to London. Tell us that story because you didn't know the la- you didn't know the English language. No, I mean I, I knew very little. So when I was seven years old, so I was born in eighty one, which was still Yugoslavia back then, um, uh, before the war in ninety one. So when I was seven, we moved to London. It was my dad got a job, and you know when you when you're living in socialism and you get any type of opportunity, and we're like, all right, we're packing and moving. Um, what, what was crazy? I, I didn't really even understand it well enough. So I thought we're kind of going on vacation. Uh, so, you know, we get there and, and I know, you know, I knew like, Hey, my name's Luca. Yes. No. As soon as you started talking a little faster, I'm like, man, this is, it might as well be like Chinese. I mean, it's like, it, you know, I, I just didn't really understand well at all, you know? So, um, and, and what my dad did, I mean, they, they got us into regular schools and just, he just dropped me off one day. And I mean, I, I, I remember this vividly to this day, right. Um, I'm nervous. I'm like, where are we going type of thing? We got, you know, in England, you have to have, uh, you got the tie. No matter school, you go to public school, right? You got dress clothes and all that stuff. So I'm feeling weird as it is. And it's just like, come to the door. It's like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to pick you up at 3.30. You know, and I'm just like, what the, you know, what's yeah, going yeah. on here? Yeah, you know? You're seven years old. Yeah. And I'm seven. And 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 um, and it was, it was, it was a shock. You know, I even remember the first day, um, and the teacher knew where I was from, so she kind of knew the scenario. But I'm sitting there, you know, it's like, all right, we're going to write this essay, right? Now, I, I could write okay, right? But I but I couldn't comprehend, like, putting things together and stuff like that. So I'm just sitting there and just copying everything from the guy on my right yeah. who's trying to hide it from me, you know. So it was just like, this crazy, crazy experience. But, you know, I look back because at that point in time, I what was— What you learn from that whole experience, though? Man, the, the thing is, because when you get thrown into things, like, you know, I, I like the term figure it out you know, figure it out. It's like you have, you're entrenched in this and for, you have to f- start finding solutions. And, you know, and, and the thing is life, life really is about this. Uh, you know, human beings are not happy if they're not solving problems, right? And if you solve the right problems, you get a better problem, right? Uh, now, if you solve the wrong problems, you usually stay what I call in a cul-de-sac, right? Just your life is spinning and you're like, well, I don't know what, what's going on. Why am I going nowhere? Um, but that, you know, that's what it really started being, uh, being thrust into the, hey, listen, you got to figure this shit out, you know, and, and you, you do it because otherwise you just don't survive. And, and, you know, when I mean survive, I don't mean like you're going to die, but like even socially, right, you right. get uh, pushed out of social circles and all these different things, you know, and, and, uh, and like, any, like anything else, you know, you're an outsider, you're a foreigner. Like for me, it's like, man, me and my brothers, we get in fights all the time, and, you know, we had to like kind of solidify our ground and, 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 and be like, Hey, don't mess with us. You know, but I mean, that's how life is, you know, it, it just is. And like a lot of my life I moved around. Um, and it was hard because you're always changing, you know, kind of like your, your, your circles of, of social circles and new environments, I mean, are stressful, but it really taught me how to figure stuff out. You know what I mean? Like to adapt, to adapt and not like wait for anybody to, like, hey, I'm going to give you the answer. Like, hey, I'll save you. You know what I mean? It was more like, now nah, you got to figure this stuff out. Like, here's a problem. 
What's the solution? You know, and, and when I look back, like I see it more clearly now, where at that point in time, you're just a kid. You're just like, all right, well, I don't want to feel like this. Well, I don't want to be you know, treated like this. Well, I got to figure it. You know, and within three months, I was speaking English like pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, it's a recurring theme here. I feel like, you know, you talked, I just, just interviewed someone who said the same thing where his, because of something with his parents, his mom basically was like, here's the deal. And I have two jobs and you're on your own. And this is how you work the laundry machine, you know, the washing machine and mm -hmm. figure it out basically. And that was the thing that gave him independence, um, eventually and made it, you know, really helped him in his career. And it sounds like a similar thing for you. Because you, I, I think what, what ends up, I think one of the best virtues, you know, to have is curiosity. Right. And, uh, and it, it, that was kind of like the time where I started seeking solutions. Right. And so you want to seek solutions. You got to be curious, man. So curiosity is like, man, how do, how do I do this? Man, how who do I have to talk to to figure this out? You know, what do I, what do I have to do to to fix this problem or to get ahead or to meet that? Like, right. that's all it is. You know, and so on the other side, on the flip side, is that curiosity what got you into crime? In a way, were you was that a solution at the time? I, I would say for sure, but I would say that the, the the trigger for that was was significance, you know. And when you're young, and, and it's like I remember, you know, growing up, like I mean, we had like zero TV channels, and then when I was I don't know how many years old, we had a couple, right? Yeah. But then around, you know, when I went to London, it it was like holy shit, there's this whole world, and like people have stuff, and like whoa, right? I mean, it kind of opened my eyes to it. So when I came back from there, it was almost like. Well, I want to have these things, you know, I'd, I'd be sitting at home watching, you know, UMTV raps and I'm like, oh, I want those chains and this, that and the other. Right. Like, yeah. And so I think that part of that uh, was was one of the things that when you, you know, you seek significance or power, you know, and like Tony Robbins talked about this, you know, yeah. what, what is you know, what's the fastest way for somebody that feels uncertain or doesn't feel powerful, you know, and it's like, why, you know, why did they put a gun to somebody's head? Because yeah. automatically, who has the power now, right? right? And it's bullshit power, but it's but but that's how you you know that's what you do. Yeah. And I think for me too, it was like you know the quick buck or being like, hey, you know what? I do that. Don't fuck with me. You know, I mean, like it, right. it, it is all those things, uh, and you don't obviously notice them at that time. Um, you know, having a social circle that you can connect to, even though it's not good. You right. know. Um, it's and then belonging, though, it is. Way. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's some type of belonging. But like I said, I, I definitely think for me, a big a big drive in my life, good or bad, was significance. Right. If I have these things or if I'm in this position of power, then I am significant. Right. And we I think that, you know, and this this could go into a whole whole nother show where I start talking about like, you know, internal and external uh, kind of like memories and like how how we're so driven by this, the lack of things when we're younger, you know what I mean? Whether it was being cared for from our parents or being felt like you're, you're not worth enough, right? Like how we end up seeking that a lot of our lives. And I, I know for sure for me, that was some part of it was like, okay, well, you know what, now I got this, you know? And so I remember I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old and I had a voice activated Motorola phone, the flip phone. And I mean, like it was, I mean, it was people working like, you know, I don't know what type of jobs that didn't have that phone. You know, I like was having right. gold rings and chains and it was, I mean, it was crazy. Right. But it's like, but it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm good. But, yeah. but that wears out really what quickly. That? What, what brought you to the end of that? And then like the, you know, the shift towards something more solid. Like, was there a specific incident that you get put in jail? Did you, did you almost. There, so, so there was a number of things. Um, I mean, <laughs> 
there was there was a couple like a slaps in the face like one time uh, i remember this was and, and there was multiple things right because when you're when you're in crime like there's no there's just no good ending. You know what I mean? Even though you, you try to believe that there is and you probably, you know, you watch a mob movie too much and you're like, ah, you know, this can all work out. And it's just like, it just never does. Um, and I started thankfully having the right people in my life, like my basketball coach and certain people that would, would kind of like go like, hey, like, I know what you're doing. You know, this is not good. And like, you know, I'd come to practice late because I was like out selling drugs and stuff like that. You know, it was just, but it was more so that a couple of incidents. I remember one time I got stopped by the cops and like I had a bunch of, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just like, I'll just say I had a bunch of cocaine on me, right? That was going to uh, go and sell. And it's, and it was this scenario where I picked it up from a certain location and I was at a red light, pulled away from the red light, got stopped. So it was suspect because I was like, man, I'm not speeding, I'm not doing anything, right? Um, got stopped, didn't have my, uh, driver's license with me didn't have the because it was my mom's car so i didn't have the uh the registration for the car and everything i, w- I didn't have my uh, my uh seat belt on and two cops came out and started shining lights and stuff right now luckily i didn't put it anywhere so it's on me but they were like roll down the windows and and they're like they they go hey you're speeding and i'm like what the fuck i literally turn i mean obviously i wasn't speeding i was going like 10 miles an hour turning into the corner yeah when they stopped me so i was like man i know i'm not getting stopped for this right yeah and they started searching the whole car i mean like like literally taking some stuff apart you know i'm like what the fuck are you guys know the thing is they don't ask me for my driver's license for anything right well i could easily could have got ticketed for it search the whole car the trunk i mean like 20 minutes right now i'm like scared shitless but at the same time i'm getting pissed off like what the fuck are you guys doing you know pretending like i'm not like i'm not nervous or anything right and they never pat me down and obviously you can you know they you never can, patted no me they down. never they never patted I me mean, down that's crazy i know it is crazy um, it? i mean that's never patted me down like i like i said i you know that was one of those things so at the end of the 20 minutes they leave like they literally leave my car like fucking i had to like put screw things back together and and they bounce and i'm just sitting there going like what the, like I was sitting in the car for an hour, just like, did that just happen? Like, man, I was this far away. It was like four, it was four days away from even like going to college at that point in time. You know, it's just, it was crazy, but there was multiple incidents before. Like for instance, um, you know, we were, uh, let's just say that one of my friends got me recordings where I was on, his lawyer was bringing me like these recordings of all our calls. Cause they were bugged, you know what I mean? Wow. And, and we had all these, you know, obviously codes and stuff that we talk in and, but it was, it, you know, it just started like piling up and, you know, people getting robbed that I knew for a lot. I mean, just it, the thing is that. So did you cut ties with it before? No. So but part of my reason for, you know, I mean, there was multiple reasons for me to leave, to go to the U S but that was definitely one of them. Right. Because I was already essentially playing pro ball before, you know, before I was 18 years old. I played, you know, I the junior leagues, but then I'd also play the like. So you were running around doing this stuff even while you were playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's why I say, you know, basketball, like if there was no basketball, I would be so deep into that stuff. I'd ne- I, there's no way I'd ever come out. You might out. not like, be a lot. No, I'm, I mean, there's no I, I just know how I am. You know, like there's just no way. And so adapt that last year before I left for the States, like a lot of this stuff started happening and I started feeling the pressure. And it, you know, I, I would sit there and go like, man, what, my coach said, what, what do you want? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Right. And I'm like, man, I, I want to play ball. You know, it's just like, well, if you want to play ball, then like, you can't do this. yeah, I mean, it's, but it wasn't like this, 
you know, he, he just questioned, like he questioned me versus telling me, right? Mm. Which I think is powerful because it made me, you know, sit He there. let you come to it. He yeah, you know. The breadcrumbs. Absolutely. You, you know, it, it wasn't like this, the fuck are you doing? You, you know, it was, it was just like, man, you want to think about this. Because like, there's two paths. And like, this one is leading you, like everything you tell me you want, is, is that's leading you away from it. And then there's all this stuff that you want. And then it's taking a different path, right? And um, it was just a self-awareness that, you know, I was just like, man, I, I, I get it. Like, it just kept accumulating, you know? And it's one of those things where I think a big lesson is um, people sometimes go, I don't understand why all this is happening to me, right? And I'd have that mentality sometimes. Why is this happening to me, right? But it's like you put yourself into that environment, right? It, it's like if you go into a war and you go like, why are all these people shooting at me? Like, it's, I mean, be like, dude, you're in a war, right? It's crazy. <laughs> But that's that's what we do, and, and we do that in all areas of our lives, right? You know, if, if somebody talked to you right now, it's like, Matt, like, just, I don't get it. Like, all this shit is happening all the time. And then you start asking them, well, who are you around? You know, what are the environments that you put yourself in? And you start going, like, it's a negative environment, or it's, you know, it's just full of stress, anxiety, or hate, or anger, or whatever, right? And, like, good things don't come out of that. Right. But if you put yourself in a different environment, it, it, I mean, it is the analogy as foo as it sounds is like the soil and like, you know, what is the soil like for, for whatever, you, you know, the seed that you put in to grow. Right. And, you know, I wasn't I was in the, the shittiest of the soils and then wondering why I'm not growing like incredible plants. Right. Right. And, you know, so what I started understanding, like, man, I got to get away from this. So how do I do that? Still be able to go to school. And, you know, still play ball and be able to play pro ball at the highest level, you know, and that was the solution. And uh, and we, you know, when I when I was 17, our team from Slovenia, that was like our trip. We went to Eastern Invitational Basketball Academy in Jersey. And it was a trip that like, hey, let's experience the U.S. and like how ball is played there and stuff. And that was my first exposure. And um, a guy that basically was the coach of my team, uh, Wayne Jones, was like, hey, have you ever thought about coming to the U.S. to play college ball? You know, and, and that year I was just like, I never thought about this. Right. And but at the same time, it was very. Uh, but I, I loved the experience. The experience was phenomenal. Like I was like, dude, I, I love this. Right. So when I came back that year, he kept in touch with me. And that was the year a lot of the crazy stuff started happening. Right. right. And, you know, we were talking back and forth. He said, look, next year, come see me in Denver. We'll train for two weeks. Then we'll go to Jersey for two back to back Eastern Invitationals. Um, and like about mid-year, I was like, I decided like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I gotta, I gotta kind of get away from this stuff. And, um, and so I went, but I had no idea how college recruiting goes in the U S like no idea. You know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm so, you know, I I don't know. It's like one of those things where you just fucking show up and it's like, all right, well, I'm going to kill it. And then people are just going to give me a scholar. You know, I had no idea. So, and I, and I did go and I played really well and I got a bunch of, uh, uh, D1 schools that were like man, we love you. Like, we love the way you play. Like, you're gritty. You got the build. Like, da-da-da, you know. And it was uh, Delaware State, Quinnipiac, uh, Western Michigan. Um, I think, well, those those were the three main ones. But at the same time, like, so it's at the end of July. So this is the end of July. You know, school year starts end of August, beginning of September. Right. And uh, they're like, you know, we'd love to have you on, but you're going to have to walk on for a year. And I'm like, Okay, well, why do I have to walk on? It's like, well, we're out of scholarships. Like, nobody has scholarships after June, like May, June, right? Um, I'm like, all right, so what's it going to be? And it's like, all these schools are like $40 plus thousand right? So there's no way we can do it. There's just no yeah. way. And, um, and one of the coaches there was like, hey, listen, man, like, there's a, a school in upstate New York. You know, I used to play there and coach there. Uh, you know, there's no full rides, but you can get some stuff covered. 
and you'll play right um but like man i can get you in like they love you like you'll you know you'll be able to do good there and i was like all right fuck it you know and i came back uh i think it was august 3rd i came back to slovenia started filling out the paperwork and and i was just like all right i'm gonna do this it was like a kind of quick i mean quick is is as a pretty it was a short i was i would say it was a short period of time where i was like this is what i'm gonna do um and uh what was what was even crazier too was that I actually left to go to the U.S. on uh, it was uh, September 11, two thousand one. Wow. My flight was supposed to land twenty minutes after the towers got hit, so we flew in air until we ran out of fuel and uh, landed in Nova Scotia. And I spent a week in a military camp. Yeah, wow. but that's that's another uh, crazy yeah, that's story. A whole other. I got a, a lot of stories, man. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so it was it was it was uh that that whole time was like very very. Uh, crazy for me a lot of you know decisions that were just like all right let's do it boom 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 um and uh so that's that's what led me to the u.s uh, at first you know and then for the second time it was uh uh you know getting married in my relationship uh and that's what essentially led to you know the the beginnings of vigor ground in the u.s yeah and that that relate that marriage Lasted. Uh, I was married for six, about six and a half years. I got married really young, but six yeah, six and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And she's American. And yes, she's yeah. Seattle. She's from she's from rent like Renton, which is about ten minutes from downtown Seattle. Okay. And that's I mean where I've stayed the whole time. Like that's become my home. You know, yeah. people ask where you. You know, it's like. So, I mean, to me, I'm still you know I'm Slovenian, yeah. um, but I'm about to get citizenship probably next year for the U.S. Um, I love the U.S. I'm not one of those people who can talk shit or anything like that. Far from it. Love it here definitely is uh the land of opportunity and um you know if you ask me kind of like i rep renton because that's my that's where i'm at now and that's, yeah. the, that's the place i'm really committed to and purposeful about changing yeah let's uh, talk from, about that a little bit because um what i'm really impressed with is i was telling someone about you recently and did i get this wrong do you say you do a charity event at the gym every weekend Every single Saturday, we've done it now for close to ten years, and we're we're about to be at five hundred charity events. Yeah, wow! Every yeah. single Saturday. every single Saturday. When I'm when I when I wasn't there this Saturday, it was nine a.m. Charity. What event. is it? What are the, what do you guys do? Man, we do. So it's, I mean, it, uh, we call it charity team training. It used to be called charity boot camp, right? So, um, I mean, we've done every like we've done so many organizations. Now it's probably, I mean, easily over. 150, 200, I say like easily, right? Um, and we're, we're shifting that now a little bit because I want to narrow it down and make it more towards one thing that we're doing. But I mean, like I could, I mean, I could talk to you for like two hours about everything we've done. It We've done it for individuals. We've done it for Susan G. Komen, for Make-A-Wish, for uh, tons of Seattle Children's Hospital, for, uh, we did, um, we just got a climbing wall for Seattle Children's for uh, the cerebral palsy uh, 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 section. We just did, I mean, we just did one for one of our interns, uh, Zaray, who's an awesome kid in coaching. And he's got a bunch of, um, he's got brain cancer and some things like a ton of medical bills, but uh, we're trying to cover that and help him with that. I mean, so how does it work? Do you have people, anybody who shows up on Saturday? Yeah, so pretty much their, whatever they pay for the day goes toward. Yeah, so we do a minimum $10 donation. And sometimes we do, you know, we've done food, we've done clothes drives, we've done uh, like, so this month we'll do a ton of toys that we go and give to different kids and families that can't do it. We've done foster kids. Uh, in November, uh, we've done, uh, we do tons of uh, actual community dinners now. 
uh, for the homeless, for people in need, things like that. But every Saturday, usually like kind of our base is like $10 minimum donation. You can get pay more if you want. And it's a drop in. So it did it. It, it knocked out two things at once that like people that want to experience our gym, the one along commitment. Like we have a trial, but we also do this charity event where, you know, there's people sometimes that drive from like, uh, you know, our members will be like, hey, you're in town. Like, you got to come to this event with us. So awesome. Like, and, you know, we're going to donate and we're going to give it to this, that and the other. Right. So it's become like a, a, a thing. And sometimes like if we promote something and blow it up, like there'll be 100 people there, 120. We've had 140, you know, in one, in one class. You know, if, if we don't, there'll be 20, 30, you know, sometimes 40. Uh, it depends. But but we've been consistent with it. And it's like I mean, an hour long class, like, yeah. like kind of like a CrossFit type of where they do. It's a, yeah, it's an hour session we do. I mean, there's, there's the way there's a certain way that we run all our group training as is. But um, usually at charity events, you know, we'll kind of we'll, we'll start to warm up and I'll talk about like what we're doing things for. And, and people already know because we promoted it. But, you know, we'll talk about that. We take them through the warm ups. We explain a workout, all the progressions, regressions. Like we blast music. A lot of times we have DJs. Like if we have big events, like we bring in like live DJs. And I mean, it's nuts, man. It's, it's a party. And the gym pays for it. And it's just. Yeah, it's, yeah out of my pocket, man. Like, and, and that doesn't get taken away. So if we donate, I never, like if I am paying the DJ and they don't. You don't count that. No, you I don't just, count that. Like I just do that out of pocket. Great, um, That's so great. And I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's a party. And it honestly, it's, it's, it's been something that I'm really, really, really passionate about and purposeful about. And uh, thinking about how to expand it. And like this year, I have some not even just ideas. I mean, we're we're really taking this to the next level. I mean, we're starting in January. It's kind of leaking out, but we're, we're starting an after school program for, for kids. Um, I say trouble youth that like mentoring, training. Um, I'm sitting down with my, my friends, Marcus, who kind of works in that field. Uh, to, to make these nine week programs uh, and part of it will probably be paid, but tons of scholarships, uh, you know, and that's a separate thing, but it's still under our umbrella. Well, what what I know? love about it is like, you know, hearing your story and hearing, you know, about your past, which I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really know that. Um, maybe uh, you touched on a little bit before, but I didn't really know like how the crime and everything it comes it's it's so much more powerful hearing a story and then, uh, you know, the charities coming from someone who has been there, experienced it. And I don't know if you've lost friends that you used to run around with in Slovenia or or what, but it it's really powerful because you're you're not saying like, hey, guys, watch out what you're doing. You, you're really saying like, I've been through this. I was at that crossroad and I chose to go this way. But this is what it what it could have been. So I feel like you might you're more authentic of a leader for these kids. It definitely, I mean, it helps because it's like every time, and I've I've done a lot of speaking, you know, for different groups of kids, um, and you always get at the beginning, you always get kind of like that little back, like that that aura, like man, what the fuck do you know, you know? So so you gotta like you dig in and tell the story and 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 connect, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like the walls start coming down because it is like people want to see. That, hey, man, you you get me. You understand me. Now, everybody has a different scenario. And you know? it's just like uh, where, you know, people are like, oh, it must have been so hard when you grew up. And it's like, well, it, you know what? Not a, like I don't think so, because like that's just what you knew. that's just what it was. You know, you grew up with socialism. So, you know, so what? But like, man, there's people that I've gone to places and I'm like, oh, my God, like they've had it a, a hundred times worse than me. Right. Like. I don't. I don't even believe I had it bad, but it's like it's all in the eye of the beholder. Like right. you know, how do you well, look at the scenario? Well, think about the other day. You saw me at that event. That was where I spoke about perseverance. Now I knew you were going to be in the audience, uh, as well as some other people. That I feel like 
your story, you were up against way more harsh odds than I was. So there's part of me that goes like, well, what am I going to add to this conversation? It doesn't, it, it doesn't, you know, mean that my stance isn't legitimate. It, it's different. You know, yeah. it's different. Yeah, we exactly. all, I guess we all have our story. I find yours to be, you, you know, you probably have, I think I have some, some good stories, but you probably have better stories or more, maybe higher stake stories. And that might speak to a certain group more than I could speak to them. They may hear me and go like, yeah, we don't care what this guy has to say. And maybe there's a group that I'm talking to that goes, oh, I'm getting more from Matt than, than I am from Luke. Man, and that's, I, that's what, why I believe more people should share their stories because it's so easy to be, you know, uh, you know, and I was there at a point in time, right? Like you go like, ah, you know, my story is not that special, right? Like, and then you share it. People are like, geez, like I didn't know all that stuff about you or what, you know, what you've gone through or whatever, you know? So I think one, it's very, very important to do that. For me, that's why I have such a, um, you know, I'm very drawn to, to kids, right? And, and, and youth. And I think a big part of it is because when I look at, you know, I've been training people for, you know, like 12 years at least, right? Like, and I mean, we've, we've coached thousands of people and you kind of look at like, who can you influence the most? Now there's science and, and psychology behind all this too. You know, when, when are, are, are people more, more plastic, right? More, uh, you know, we talk about brain neuroplasticity and like when they're more apt to change emotionally and things like that, you know, in those certain years, I mean, it's the most important. I'm not saying that you can't help somebody change as they grow older because you absolutely can, you know, but I, I do think that that crossroads, you know, you can be a person that like really shifts somebody from, you know, going down a certain path where sometimes it's very, very not not impossible, but very difficult to come back from. Right. And so, you know, I go like, well, look, I, I remember myself. I was a knucklehead. I mean, like I was a, a knucklehead. Right. And like and I, I changed like I mean, I, you know, and we talk about like, you know, people that we were just at, you know, Craig Ballantyne's event and we're like, man, like that guy's changed so much. Right. Like, and, and Jay, and like, I've known Jay for a long time and like, you know, he's changed like incredibly. Right. And like, I know, I mean, I've changed 180 degrees. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know it's not even a theoretical thing. It's like, man, like you, you can do it. I don't care where you are. And, and now I've been around so many people that uh, have had even, you know, uh, like way harsher odds and crazy stuff happen. Right. And like, they've changed and, and they've overcome that. And so, what do you think is the key? What's the, if you had to boil it down, because you, you've been a part of your own transformation and so many other people's transformation, what is the, the biggest thing that you've... I think, you know, looking back now and, you know, Ryan Holiday wrote the book about this, right? The obstacle is the way. Um, you know, I've become a big fan of uh, stoicism and, and, and reading through just about every stoic work that that's out there. But... I think that when you when you start looking at things, um, you know, that every everything has a lesson, you know, so uh, I would say every hardship has a lesson. And if you learn the lesson and you apply the lesson, you go to the next level. And, and you know, I'll, I'll put this in. I used to love video games. I don't play them. I don't play much anymore. But but it was a time I played a lot of video games. Right. But uh, a friend of mine once said, hey, listen, man, like, if, would you play a video game like if if there was no next level bosses? Be like, nah, that fucking game would suck. Like, you'd be like, I'm not playing this game, right? But in life, what do we do? What do we do when there's a boss and they, the boss beats us, right? In the game, you're like, man, I'm going to get better at this game. I'm going to crush this boss. But right. I saw what he does. So I'm going to, you know, left, left, right, blue button, green button, bam, right? I'm going to win. And But in life, you know, you, you get hit with a problem with the boss and you're like, oh, fuck. 
this sucks. This is really, really hard. Let me just stay where I'm at. And like a lot of people, it. you accept it. Like a mm. lot of people, or, or you go like, I wish I didn't have that to, to fight. But if like, but life is a game. It really is, right? If you look at life as a game, you'd go like, man, this sucks. But how do I overcome this challenge, right? What can I learn from like being beat or, or losing so I can beat the boss, right? The thing about the game of life is that there's never ending bosses. Like, you, you know, it never ends. Yeah. And once you kind of accept that and get excited about that, it becomes different. It becomes more fun. You know, and it doesn't mean that there's not shitty stuff that happens. You're not stressed or anxious or hurt or all the other stuff. That's just human nature. But, but when you look at life like that, right, you almost go... You know, I'm thankful now looking back at all the stuff that I had to go through for, you know, and there's been a million things, right? From starting a gym in, in the biggest depression ever in the U.S. and coming here, always starting from scratch and like being, I mean, you talk about 10,000 those like basketball for me was like, I mean, my whole life, everybody told me like, there's no way you'll make it. Like, there's just no way. And every, you know, and it's like, I wouldn't make it. And then I'd be the top scorer and I wouldn't make it. And then I go to college, you know, and then, oh, you're not going to make it. And then I got a full ride and then. You're not going to make it. Oh, and then I got went to play pro. You're not going to make it. And then played NBA Summer Pro League and made it to a team of 24 out of 500 athletes, right? And, wow. And even though I never kind of, I would say, achieved that that dream dream, which was like playing in NBA, the, the virtues that I learned through basketball, you know, like failure and going back, even though you fail, trying again, like the, the discipline, the, the teamwork, the work ethic, um, you know, the loyalty, like all these different things, like they stuck with me forever. You know, and people will say, man, how come you do this in fitness? Like you're, you're a maniac, right? I'm like, these are all virtues I, I got from the struggles and applied them to business, right? And I think if people, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you know, if you take that into account that, you know, life is a game and the boss is going to beat you, but look, you, you got, you know, you got a lot of tries, Right. You got to keep going back and learning the lesson. But if you don't learn the lesson, the universe is going to just keep giving you the same fucking problem. Yeah. Right. Like and um, and if you do that, just that shift, you know, just that shift, I think, can change everything for you. And I, I know this kind of like sounds a little bit simplistic, but certain people um, and I've been there. I think we've all been there. So when I say, you know, I, I never want to go like, you know, you're like this. But me, I figured it out like, look, we've all been there. Right. But if imagine that there's this beautiful view. And you're standing in front of the tree going like, man, fuck this view. Like, it's not a good view. Right. And, and you go like, hey, hey, can step really far to the left? And like, wow, this is an amazing view. Right. That's what perspective is. Right. When you go, hey, I know this happened. I get it. I understand. I've been there. But I'd have you consider looking at it from this perspective. Right. And then people start doing that. And it and it is a skill like it's something you got to practice like you practice a basketball shot or lifting weights or writing. Right. You have to train your brain to see things a certain way. Um, and there's a lot. I mean, you know, there's a lot of exercises of how you can do that stuff um, that I can go into a couple of if, if you want. But I mean, it's, it, it really is like why I try to tell people like, look, everybody gets the concept of lifting a weight. Right. Look, you can deadlift 200 pounds, but you want to deadlift 300. You're going to have to come in and train two, three times a week and lift this weight and lift heavier weights so that you can get your strength up. Right. Right. But then I'm like in in other areas of life, there's mental weightlifting or spiritual weightlifting, you know, whether that means like meditation, whether it means journaling, whether it means um, positive focus exercises or, you know, whatever else it may be. And so when people want to develop mental skills, you got to practice it. 
you know, I, I started looking at it as an athlete. Hey, I, I got practice. It's my, it's my mental practice. I got practice. I got my spiritual practice. I got practice, emotional practice, right? Like, and then you develop, uh, I would say, capacity, right? So capacity for somebody that's doing, you know, CrossFit, easy, easy. Oh, capacity. Hell yeah. My, my general physical preparation. Like, yeah, okay. How's your mental capacity? Right. You know, how's your emotional capacity? Because you go like, man, how, do, how does that guy not break under so much pressure? And you go like, man, that, that guy's trained. Right. You, you, you fall to the lowest level of your training, but they, they've trained their mental and emotional capacity. And, you know, at this point in time, you know, what, what's what's the dopest thing I think in the world is I can pull up a phone and find exercises or a person talking about it. You know what I mean? You can go on and, and buy a ten dollar book from a person that's been studying mental training for 20 years. And in, in a ten dollar book, he's giving you all the shit that you ever want. Yeah. You know, you got to go and apply it, obviously. Right. Like, but, yeah. but we live in this day and age where um. I, you know, I do this drill with when I go in and, and speak to certain schools and kids and, you know, and they're like, man, you don't know how hard it is. Right. And I'm like, hey, hey, what's your favorite hip hop song right now? It's like, pull it up for me, man. And like, and they'll pull it up on the phone. Right. Right. Yo, it's this one. And they start, you know, jamming to it. I'm like, what, what do you want? What do you want to do in life? And, you know, different answers. Oh, man, like I want to be in finances. I want to be in marketing. Okay, you said marketing. Okay, cool. I right, give me your phone. Right. Because this is like, hey, we're in hard times, but everybody's got an iPhone. Right. 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 And I go to YouTube and I put in marketing 101 you know and you get thousands of response like of of search findings right right and i'm like boom free hour tutorial i mean shit you got videos from bill gates and from i don't know who else like giving you free stuff you could like you know it's bus university it's like you know take a shit university you be like you know studying that while you're taking it up like so you can't tell me you don't have the resources they're there you just it's, it's the resourcefulness, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so with that said, like, it's just where you direct your time and energy, you know? And um, I think this is, that's probably still one of my favorite things to say, you know, people go, ah, Luke, I don't have the time and this and that and the other. And I'm like, hey, you're, you're, you're watching your wallet, right? And people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, look, you're watching your wallet. That's what matters. Where, if I looked at your bank account, not how much do you have, but where is your money going, Right. And then your, 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 your watch or your calendar, if I looked at your calendar and you put out everything you do in a day, I'd be like, where's that time going? And those two things will determine your life. Now, even you're like, yeah, but I don't have like the money that you do. So fucking what? If you got a hundred bucks, where does your hundred bucks go? You know what I mean? Yeah. Kindle books, like 99 cents, whatever. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making yeah. shit up, but it's like, you know, where does, where, where's your time and energy going? Like you look at that block and you're like, all right, let's say you sleep six, seven hours, eight hours, whatever. Where's the rest of the, you know, the 18, the 17 hours going, right? right. And so those two things, it, people don't want to look at it because it's, it's painful, right? Because deep down inside, you're like, fuck. They know. Fuck, I'm watching seven hours of Game of Thrones every week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. now, don't get, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I like watching certain shows too, man. But like, um, if you want to be somewhere else... Then maybe yes, you should if go. You're bin, if you're binging shows that I'm on, that's okay. That's ab- that's absolutely <laughs> fine. And we'll, we'll we'll put links to those. Like, man, sign up for that shit. <laughs> so going. But, but uh, you know, but that's the thing. Like, if you're if you're telling me like you don't, you're not where you want to be, right? You look at your you know your wallet and your calendar, and you go like, hey, you know, maybe I need to start shifting that a little bit, you know. And it doesn't need to be a complete overhaul, but like, hey, start start pushing that dial to right. more to where you know your behaviors match your goals. Right. Because if you go like, hey, I'm going out having like four drinks, three nights, three nights a week. Does that behavior match your goal? No. OK. You know, or how much are you reading? You know, does that behavior match your goal? No. All right. You know, those are the harsh questions that we just came back from an event, which was very 
I would say introspective, right? Like you, you're sitting there asking yourself these questions going like, fuck, <sighs> man, you, you almost don't want to, right? You almost don't want to look at them because you, because you kind of know, it's right? Hard, yeah. But you got to face them. And like, you know, last night, me, Jay and, um, and Jay Jablonski are, are, are sitting in, uh, not last night, the night before, you know, we're sitting here and, and having these conversations and, and, you know, and Jay's like, man, I just figured something out. Like this big, big breakthrough, you know, he's like about me, you know, he's like, dude, you, you know, like you're like the best in the world at this shit, but you always put somebody above you. Right. And we kind of started talking about that. And it was, and it was like really painful for me. It was just like, man, I, you know, I, I saw what he was talking about, but it was like, man, that's like, I had to like legitimately take a minute. Like, man, I, I realized that. Right. Yeah. But as painful as that is, see, now that's an it's opportunity. better to know it. Absolutely. Because yeah. now that's an opportunity. What do I do now? You know what I mean? Because if I go back into the world and go like, fuck that. Like, I'm not putting anybody above me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go and steamroll this. See, now that's how life changes. I just had a similar thing where I came back and I was talking. My mom was watching our kids while we were in San Diego for that the uh, Craig Ballantyne event. And, and um she said something about, I don't know how we got onto it, but about the speech. And I said, as some people had come up to me and said kind things that they were affected by it. And I said, I really consciously tried to just sit in that and say, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. This was the first time I've done it. I really appreciate it. That really makes me want to go do it again or feel like this is something I could do. And, um, I said, I really have to consciously do that because I have a tendency to go, oh, thanks. Yeah, that's great. But, but Carrie Wilkerson, I mean, she was amazing, wasn't she? And I think I may have done that once and I caught myself and I thought, yeah, she was amazing. But why not just take it in, take it in, yeah. bask yeah. in it. And I've talked about it. Part of it is that this is this whole podcast is like therapy for me because I just talked about that recently about to just take a compliment, take it, sit in it and, and allow it to feed you instead of putting everybody else. And it, and it, and it is one of the, you know, that, that is a big self-awareness, man. The first time that happened to me and I still struggle, I think we all struggle with it still because, you know, my superpower used to be the chip on my shoulder and sometimes it is, and you got to know when to use it to fuel you, but you also got to know when it's, when it's burning you out. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, ego is the enemy, but ego can be good. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but it's, but it can also crush you. Right. And um, I remember, I mean, this is years ago, I had a client, Amy Africa, and, you know, she would, you know, get me stuff for like, um, and she was like a high-end client and like, she would get me, I remember for my birthday, she got me a, a MacBook, right? And to me, that was just like, what the, you know, back then I was like, <laughs> still broke. I mean, busting my ass. And, and I was like, oh, man, I can't take this. This is, uh, you know, this is too nice. Like, I, I, what a, I can't do it. And she, and she said, look, Luca, when you don't accept my gift, you take all the joy away from me. Right. It's like like literally all the joy that I wanted to get from this, you know, it's like when you do that, it's like you just steal it from me, you know, and, and, and it, it made me like feel I was like, man, I'm really sorry. Like, OK, like, uh, thank you. So, you know, thank you so much. I just right. And she's like, no, no. See, like, that's the thing. Accept it like you deserve it, you know. And yeah. And I think part of it ends up being like where everybody needs to do work all the time is the self-love and self-care and like the whole thing, like, nah, I deserve this. Right. Um, because when you don't, when you don't believe you deserve, you don't deserve stuff subconsciously, you end up pushing shit like that out of your life. You know what I mean? Um, and, and there is, 
like, you know, those are the, that's why I'm not only so motivated and curious to kind of keep learning about, you know, behavior change and psychology and like this, the last six years of my life, I've just devoured everything about it, right. For myself and for helping clients out, but um, also having people around you that, are, you know, that you love enough and, and care about you enough to say it. Right. Yeah. And um, there's this uh, concept that like I use in, uh, in, in team management and, and, and leadership from um, this lady called Kim Scott. It's called Radical Candor, which is it's a book, too, which is a fantastic book. But and, and it says, you know, uh, care deeply, challenge directly. And so the more that people know that you care about them, the more you can challenge them. Right. Yeah. In a compassionate way, because they know that you care. Now, if they don't know you care and you don't show them that you care, then you're just a dick, right? Because yeah. if you challenge directly without the caring, then you just, you know, you're just, you're just like, you're just not a nice, you're just an arrogant prick, right? You know right. what I mean? So, um, but, you know, those are all, I, I think that in life, one of the things that people just don't study enough or do enough or improve enough is communication. You know, I mean, the emotional intelligence and social intelligence side of things, and it's a game changer. I mean, and people will, will, will go like, well, but I want to become the best coach. I'm like, listen, man, who do you coach? And I'll be like, well, I coach. I'm like, no, you coach human beings. You know what I mean? Like we all coach human beings, whether they're a pro athlete, whether they're, you know, a mom of three, it doesn't matter. Right. And so you have to understand how our brains work, like how our, you know, I'll even say how our hearts work, like as far as like emotions go to be able to, you know, help somebody do the stuff that they know they should do, you know? And, and, and I think coaching in any realm, um, but you know, in the fitness nutrition realm, a lot of times it's not us getting clients results. It's us helping people get out of their own way so that they can get results. Right. Absolutely. Um, and if you don't, you know, what's crazy to me sometimes, cause I go like, uh, I don't know, perfect, perfect example. Right. Um, this might hit hard to some people. Like I, I don't have kids yet, but, uh, but you know, I, I don't know, read probably like 50, 60 books on like parenting and, and kids psychology and stuff like that. Cause I'm so intrigued by it. And I train a lot of kids. Right. And, you know, people are like, man, I want to be the best parent to my kids. Um, and I, and I, and I ask like, okay, well, what's the last, you know, book you read on parenting or, you know, course or anything like that. And they're like, uh, blank. Right. Yeah. And, I'm, and you know, well, I know what's best for my kid. <laughs> and funnily, there's a book called nurture shock that goes like, no, you don't, right. You don't know what's best for your kid yeah. because there's science that shows like, you know, what what those things are and like what people have been doing wrong, even though they, they have the best intentions, right? Like you just don't know what you don't know. So if you could find that out and then apply it, man, it changes the world. So same thing with communication. Why wouldn't you learn, like learn from the best about communicating better? And then automatically the things, you know, you, people will actually do because you've improved your communication. Right. Yeah. And I don't care if you're in a leadership position and a management position in a, you know, um, like I said, if you're in show business or whatever, like, what do we all do? We communicate, right? I mean, think about marketing. It's communication. You know, sales copy is understanding how our brains work. You know what I mean? Like, so to me, it's like, this is, this is kind of like the white space frontier that I think has a huge, um, let's just say you have a huge uh, capacity to grow in it for like just about everybody. Communication. Communication. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and understanding those things. And it, I mean, it, it changed my world, man. When I started studying that, I was like, oh my God, look at, I was doing this shit. And that's actually like pushing people away from doing what you want them to do or what they should be doing. Yeah. You know, and it was just like that, that whole shift of the frame, like versus telling them what to do, like asking more questions. But like, if you understand the principles, right, then you can use any method you want. 
And yeah. so, so that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of, you know, what I've been like so deeply studying. Well, it kind of goes back to your coach that you talked about when you said he didn't lecture you. He didn't, he didn't badger you. He didn't yell at you. He said, Hey, what do you want? Well, this is what's going to maybe happen if you do this. And this is what's going to happen if you do that. Mm -hmm. You decide. He knew how to communicate to you. And maybe it's different with someone else. Maybe yeah, I sure. always remember that from coaches, you know, growing up. It's like there were some coaches that they would really, you know, come down on you and not hand out a lot of compliments. And you'd always be trying to impress them in some way. And then there were others that were more bring you under their wing and, and, and build you up. And it just depended on what the situation was. Or sometimes it's like, I'll respond to this particular coach and you'll respond to another kind of coach. So I, I guess it's a coach's job to know what's going to motivate Luca, what's going to motivate Matt. And then. And here, you know, and, and that's, that, that, that was, that's the crazy part of it, because like, if you ask anybody, you know, and that's a question for you, like, do you remember having a coach that like, wasn't a great coach to you in any realm? Oh yeah. But then do you remember a coach that was a great coach? Yes. Right? I and, and and it's like we almost all do. But think about how, you know, man, I I I know people that like a teacher in school made them so embarrassed that they never wanted to ask a question again. Oh yeah. Like for, Me I mean too. for for decades, like legit, you know what I mean? Like so that one person who didn't have any bad intentions probably, right? But they just didn't know or it was they were projecting their own insecurities or whatever, right? Like, but they influenced that kid for decades in a negative way. Yeah, you know. And then I can look back and I, I I have those in my life too. But then I also have coaches that like I can look back and go like that person shifted the trajectory of my life, right? And like, man, how powerful is that to be able to go? You were able to you know shift somebody into a positive direction, and you know the the. You know what the you know what the, the original definition of coach is? No. So uh, you ever heard of somebody go like in 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 um, on a play? I'm I'm flying coach yeah. or stage coach, right? Yeah. So the the official like coach would take people from where they are to where they want to go. Oh, that's cool, man. So it's like that. You know, when people are like, oh, "Are you personal trainer?" No, 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 I'm not a personal trainer. I'm a coach. Right now, I have a a business, a gym, you know what I mean? Which I don't, we just call it transformation center. And I'm like, we're not a gym, we're a transformation center, right? And I help people go from where they are to where they want to go. In business coaching, I take people from where they are to where they want to go, right? And de depending on what realm you're in, no matter what, like, isn't that one of, the, I mean, to me, it's like one of the greatest professions. You, you're making me think of uh, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Start with why. And he yeah. talks about the, uh, you know, the, if you look at the corporations that have, like Apple, which started with a Y, which was to upend the status quo, they were able to break through from computers to phones to music. They were able to do all of that. Whereas someone that starts with what, like Dell, tries to go from computers they can't go. to phones, it doesn't work out, or mm -hmm. computers to TVs, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And and you're you've done that now, and now you coach business owners, right? And you coach people in the gym, and then. Uh, could you tell everybody just a little bit about, cause I'm, I'm so impressed with this and I do, we will wind it up soon. I, I could talk to, I mean, I could have you back <laughs> at some point. We will we, do it. We we'll could talk it. like, yeah. you know, we could do 16 more of these, but, um, it, you know, we'll start to wind it down. I just want to give th this, the, the, 
story about what you want to do with the community there in Seattle around Vigor yep. and buying up buildings and, and what your vision is for that. So when when I had my first garage gym, it was, you know, I, I was a coach still, but it's like I knew a lot and I studied the heck out of training, you know, and nutrition. Um, but I didn't have that other component down as much, right? I mean, mindset to a degree, but I didn't understand it as much. And as I evolved, I started understanding the psychology and behavior change and change psychology. And what I really started studying was uh, environments. And like, there's this sentence that I have written out everywhere and it's environment triggers behaviors, right? And um, this is powerful for anybody because think about this, right? If you go in a room like this weekend, perfect life retreat, everybody is around you. The, like what behaviors is that triggering? Growth, uh, you know, curiosity, learning, uh, being open to constructive criticism, you know, like, man, pushing yourself, like raising your, your I would say your glass ceiling, right? Now, if, you, if I put you in an environment of, you know, like for instance, where I was at, which was crime, right? And it was, it was like, you know, criminals and craziness and drugs and this, that, and the other. Like whenever I was in that environment, man, it would trigger different behaviors, not, not ones that like would lead me to where I wanted to go. So it, I started going like, man, my, my vision for the future and what vigor is now was that exactly. How do I create an environment that pieces together these puzzle pieces, right? And think about transformation, right, of the human body. Um, there's training, okay? And then, then there's cardio too, like you got to do conditioning. Now, depending on what your goals are, you do conditioning, but you got to move well, right? If your joints don't move well, guess what? Your movement will be shitty. And if I push you hard, something's going to break down. Your tissues, you're going to have joint issues. You know, your back is going to get tweaked. Your shoulder's going to get tweaked, right? So then there's that. But hey, guess what? If you don't sleep, right? If you have shitty sleep, then, you know, hormones will be out of whack. Like you name it, right? You won't have the proper recovery. Now, if you don't have a growth mindset or the, all the stuff we were talking about frames, like you could do everything in the world. But if you're constantly thinking negative and beating yourself down, like you're going to end up having this habit loop where probably you start, you're stressed out and maybe have, you know, half a bottle of wine every night or, or, or desserts or whatever. Right. So you start going around like what I, I, we call it the vigorous success wheel. Right. It's little puzzle pieces, training, cardio, mindset, joint health. Da, 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 right. And then environment relationships, because guess what? Relationships trigger a certain behavior. If you're in a, a toxic relationship, where does that lead you? You get pissed off. You might be having drinks. You're always stressed out. Right. Like you're not behaving the way to make yourself the best possible. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, well, how can we create an environment that like touches all these different things? Right. So we've become really, 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 really good. I mean, and I don't like I said, I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm obsessed with this stuff. Right. So training, nutrition, movement. I mean, we're excellent at it. You know, teaching the change psychology stuff, like helping people do those things. But then we brought in a smoothie bar that we collaborated with and they do, I mean, you know, seasonal fruit and organic everything and best ingredients. And we do bowls and um, uh, smoothies and kombucha and nitro coffee and, and uh, you know, four sigmatic coffee and uh, mushroom coffee, like all like basically it's a healthier snack bar. Right. Right. Um, and then we have physical therapy in house now, um, you know, for right now, it's just a couple of days a week. But we're going to expand on that. We're, By the I, way, I saw the new pictures of the new gym that, that you're building yeah, out or you yeah. built out on Instagram on your yeah. feed. Uh, and it's beautiful. Thank I mean, you, it's man. Ridiculous. Thank you. And, and that was part, you know, that was part of it. Right. You think about environment. You know, we got local artists to, to put in murals. We put in, you know, we blew up images and put wallpaper and quotes everywhere. And it's like the design is phenomenal. Right. And it's like everything 
was a lot of time and money invested in like little details. But when you come in there, it makes you feel a certain way. You don't you, you don't come in a bigger ground and go like, eh, I'm not really pumped to train. Like you come yeah. in there and it's just like you might have a shitty day. I mean, and, and it's not just the environment. It's also the people and everything. Right. But man, you look at the walls and you're like, all right. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. like the Prefontaine quote. Yeah, it's just no way. You inspired. got you got this, uh, you know, we, we have one of the images, which is like Ali, you know, standing black and white. Like, and it's a huge, like 300 square foot, you know, wall. Like this is one. Is it that one? Yeah. But, it, but at the bottom, it's like uh, Superman, right? Like, hey, uh, don't punch me. So it's like, that's my my frame of like, hey, impossible is nothing, right? Like, you can do anything. But if you come in there, you can have a shitty day and just the environment is making you go like, you know what? I can do this, man. Like, I'm here. Let's go, right? And... You know, now we, we got a, uh, I just ordered a cryo chamber, uh, pulse compression pants. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting down with some doctors that are more holistic. Um, we got a whole lobby area, movement center upstairs. You know, I'm, I'm collaborating with some boxing coaches that we're going to start some stuff. And, so you know, it's like an entire community. And then you also have ideas to buy other buildings correct. as well. Yes. And, and, and the idea being that what you'd bring in health food, health food, uh, restaurants. Yeah. Restaurant with a meal delivery. So it was, it was like this, right? I, I joked around this years ago, but it, it, I, I, for me, it wasn't a joke, but you know how people go. I'm like, I said, I'm going to build Vigorville, right? Cause it's Vigorville. <laughs> build Vigorville. People are like, Oh man, that's great. Ha, ha. You know? And I, I don't even think that people thought that I'd you know, get the building that I did and, and, and do this. But now it's like, what's the next? Like, if you could build a utopia, right? And as, as utopian as you can get, I mean, we're in Stan, it's not, there's nothing perfect. But, you know, if you could create an environment now, rather than just vigor ground the gym, which has become like this place of change, what if we start buying out stuff? And like, now we got, you know, I got an idea for a restaurant that's both a restaurant and a meal delivery place, right? So you have a lot of members that now can go there, get these really healthy meals. Like, hey, let me get, six lunches for the week and six breakfasts because it's going to like, I usually snack on food, but now I'm going to have healthy, delicious food that I can get, yeah. you know, and then next to it, let's do a coffee shop where people can work and it's got like live music and cool stuff. And then next to it, let's do a, 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 a how do you, how do you call that? Like a, a, where, you know, the, the space is like that people work out of, but it's a wellness space, right? So the businesses are in there, but like they can come to our gym or do our, our group training and team training. And then we have a smoothie bar in there and stuff, right? right? So we started like jotting down all this. I mean, this is all, you know, that's how I do it. I just napkin this shit out, right? Like the, the next 10 years, the vision. And, you know, how do we keep spreading that? And then every one of these businesses influences people to change behaviors in a positive way that gets them to where they want. You know, it's like total human optimization or becoming, your, you know, the greatest version of yourself. We hear it all the time. But that was my thought process is like, well, why can't we do that? I mean, we we can do it, you know, because people just go like, yeah, but, you know, dot, dot, dot. And then, yeah. and my mind is like, well, how do we do it? You know, and then I started collaborating with, you know, some of my friends and, and you know, Andreas, who's kind of like a, my right hand man at the gym. But he's, you know, he's got his own real estate company uh, and he's doing a, a lot of amazing stuff with charity. And he's, he's got construction crews. And, you know, and we were like, hey, dude, how do we get how do we do this? You know, and what, what's been awesome is that. You know, the city is a lot more receptive now. Like, they, you know, at the beginning when I was talking to them, they're like, uh, you're going to do what? Well, because you've got a track record and you've been doing charity and you've been exactly. back. So and now yeah. when, you know, when when they come in and they to the building, they're like, man, this is fucking awesome. You know, like, yeah. so then I started going like, well, you know, can you give me like other buildings and stuff? To, let's start talking. Yeah. And then they were excited about it, you know, because. Uh, well, it's a great lesson for anybody listening that if you have an idea you don't necessarily you can have a vision for it but not know exactly how you're going to get there yet and as you start on that path if you've done it with goodwill and good intention 
people kind of come out of the woodwork and help you. Yeah. And, and, and bring it along and, and bridge the gaps where you're not capable of going that distance. But they they come in and they go, oh, you you know, a real estate guy comes in and helps you. And this is how you get this lease. And 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 it is possible. I mean, it's really inspiring to hear you talk about it. And just for the sake of I think for the sake of this episode, we're at an hour 10 and I, I'm like, I kind of want to hear more and I kind of want to, I want you to almost come back and, and go even more into it. Um, but I, I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm really so impressed with how you've taken this step by step by step and, and it's expanding to where it is. And I, I imagine the next time I have you on here just to ask you where the progress is and how far it's gone and and that it's kind of like that town center. And hopefully you'll have a little apartment for me there. I got you, brother. <laughs> I might be moving to Seattle. <laughs> I'm going to Biggerville. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, what I'd say is is you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? Is, um, you know, Gary Vee calls it clouds and dirt, right? Your clouds are your, your kind of your dream, you know, that you follow. And the dirt is the work, you know. And it's like all the shit in between is pretty irrelevant, you know. So, like, keep following your clouds. And, man, like, put your head down and, like, do the, do the work, you know. And, and um. You, the thing is, when you have that like North Star, those clouds that you follow, you know, it's, it's almost like the, you know, you're standing on one side of the canyon and you can see the other side, you know, and there's a big like gap in between and you got to build a bridge, you know, and, and that bridge to me has always been like, you know, people get overwhelmed by the bridge and, and it happens to me too. Like, by the way, you know, I'm sometimes like, fucking, how are we going to do this? Right. Um, but see, that's the right question. How are we how going are we to do, do this? Right. Yeah. Because it leads you into a different direction. And. And so I go like, okay, well, who do I need to, what book do I need to read? Which person do I need to meet? You know, which coaching program do I need to join to, f- to figure this out, right? Like, because then that's the next board on the bridge. And then I step on that one and I go like, okay, what's the next one? You know what? Ah, okay. I saw that. Like, let me figure this out. Boom. And I, you know, build the next board and the next board. And, you know, you keep chipping away at it until you get to the other side, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think if, if people just think about the next board, um, you know, you don't need to know all the steps. You just need to know the next step, like when you to, to move forward, you know, and, uh, you know, success comes from the word succession, right? Succession actually means the next thing. And so success is not like this ultimate, like I made it. Success is growth. And success really just means, hey, last week you did what? This week I did the next step. Right. Bam. And you're winning. You know, so what's the next board across the bridge, man? Like find your vision and then figure out, you know, what what's the next step? And then take the next step and don't worry about all the steps, right? Yeah. And 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 you'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you are getting there. Real quick before we go, what are social media, anything where people can follow you if they want to learn more? If people are live in Seattle and they want to go check out the gym or if they're traveling there, where, where um, will they find you? The best so where we're really active on uh Facebook as the Vigor Business, which is Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance. Um, so you can just, you know, put that into the search bar and, and, uh, and Facebook. I put a ton of videos out there. Um, I do my own podcast. So on iTunes, I have a podcast called Vigor Life, uh, V-I-G-O-R, Life Podcast. Uh, catch me there. And then also my personal, like on Instagram, just my name, Luca, L-U-K-A, Hosevar, H-O-C-E-V-A-R. Uh, I do I share a ton of stuff there um, from videos of my training to just thoughts on business, coaching, nutrition, you name it. It's a, It's pretty uh, spread across. And so those are the three main ones. The website for the gym is Vigor Ground Fitness. 
Um, so V-I-G-O-R, ground, G-R-O-U-N-D. I had to check myself for spelling, be a little bit <laughs> fitness.com. But I mean, if, if you Google Vigor Ground, like it'll, you know, it'll, just, it'll, it'll blow you up with tons of searches. So uh, you can just check all that stuff out there. That's great. Well, uh, go check him out. As you could hear from the interview, uh, a lot of inspiring stuff. And um, I'm sure if you, you go there, you're going to find more. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my brother. Thanks again for listening to 10,000 No's. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, please do. So each week's episode is automatically downloaded to your computer or phone. And if you like what you heard, please help us get the word out by sharing it with your friends and family. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.